Hey everybody, welcome to episode 41 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and our guest this week, Finn Sapp, is headed to the University of Northern Colorado in the fall to continue his academic and collegiate golf career. Uh, really excited for Finn and this opportunity that he's created for himself. I've known Finn for a couple years. Uh, he's a really great young man, uh, very dedicated, very motivated. Um, just kind of quietly goes about his business, but works super hard and uh, definitely deserves every opportunity that he gets because he definitely puts in the work for sure. And um, had an opportunity to meet Finn a couple years ago. Like I said, I uh, worked with him and his family when I was at IMG Academy. He was looking for an opportunity to uh, further his golf game. He's uh, from the Vail, Colorado area. And so obviously can't play golf all year round there. Really wanted to develop his game and take it to the next level. So he spent the last two years of his high school at IMG, uh, where he just graduated this week. So uh, really happy for him and his graduation, his development. But um, he had some bumps in the road along the way. And so that's why I really wanted to have Finn on. I wanted to talk about some adversity and some resilience, uh, some qualities that I think Finn brings to the table that a lot of young players and really all of us that are trying to achieve something and have some setbacks can look at you know, some of his examples and how he was able to uh, overcome those. So I stripped the audio out of a live video that, that we did this week uh, to make just a podcast episode out of that video. So I had a really good time chatting with him via Instagram Live. Um, if you watched that video, I uh, hope you took a lot away from it. This chat is you know, just the audio from that. So um, Finn skied at a very high level, um, like Olympic type level uh, before you know, his body really started giving out. Um, he was taking a big pounding from moguls and jumps and those types of things, which we're going to talk about. Um, and then, you know, Finn had a little bit of a challenge about a year ago um, when he found out that he had a broken back. And uh, he's going to talk a little bit about that and kind of overcoming that adversity, um, you know, the resilience that it takes. You know, he's somebody that I think we can all learn from. Uh, you know, when we're chasing dreams, when we're trying to go after something that we really want and inevitably, you know, have some bumps in the road, you know, how do we get past those? How do we, you know, persevere and uh, make the best of an opportunity? So um, I admire Finn a lot for, you know, the strength that he brings and has brought to some of those situations that has helped him to overcome. So had a really great time having a live chat with him. Um, like I said, strip the audio for this episode so that, you know, if you weren't able to tune in for the live episode, um, you can definitely listen to it here, or you can jump over to the YouTube channel. Uh, you can find it on Facebook. You can also find it on LinkedIn. Um, that video of our chat is there as well, but this is the audio version, uh, if you're not able to watch that. So really good conversation. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, thank you very much. It's been, uh, you know, a really good journey with this podcast. I, I, Really try to stress every single week how thankful I am for the audience. And, uh, you know, you guys are the ones that make it happen. You guys give me great ideas. Um, you help me, you help kind of lead me and direct me, um, you know, where I want to focus and where I want to channel, you know, some of the guests that I bring on. So, um, you know, a, a majority of who I bring on, not necessarily the actual person, but just the topics and those types of things, you guys help drive a lot of those conversations just from the feedback. 
um, that I get from you and some of the interaction that I am privileged to have with you guys. So thank you very much for being such a great audience and for engaging with me. And I encourage you to continue to do it. You can email me at juniorgolfkeys at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and on YouTube. Um, really just trying to share some information on those different platforms. It's going to supplement some of the information that you're getting here on this podcast because really the goal of this whole project is to provide you guys with a resource that's going to allow you to learn how to navigate your junior golf journey. Uh, Whether you're a parent that's trying to help your kid in junior golf or you're a young player that's trying to figure out, you know, what do you need to do? What should you be focusing on? Uh, College recruiting, you know, those types of things. Uh, hopefully we're really being a good resource for you guys with some of those different topics. So thank you very much. I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Before we jump into the episode, I do want to tell you about one of our sponsors. All right, before we get into this episode, I want to tell you about my partner, Golf Kicks. They've changed the game to help you bring your off-the-course shoe game on the course. They've got golf spikes that you can install on almost any pair of shoes. They've won some innovation awards with Golf Digest, My Golf Spy, and you might have even seen them closing a deal with Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. So it doesn't matter if you're a competitive junior, a weekend amateur, or you're teeing it up on the professional circuit, Golf Kicks adds some flavor and functionality to your game. And if you head over to golfkicks.com and use the promo code JGK20, they'll give you 20% off your order today. Now let's get to the show. Hey. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, that was weird. Sorry. Uh, No, don't worry about it. Yeah, I just got booted out. I'm not really sure what happened. It just ended. Um, Well, what we were talking about, guys, was uh, Finn's going to play golf at the University of Northern Colorado. And uh, we were talking about graduation coming up. Um, He's at IMG Academy, just finishing up there. Been there for – you went there for two two years, right? Yeah, uh, junior and senior year. Okay. Um, So that's where we had an opportunity to meet. And, you know, I was just saying congratulations to him. It's a big accomplishment, obviously, to graduate high school, move on to the next chapter, especially somebody that's put in a lot of work like you have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've had some adversity along the way. And I just want to kind of share your story with the group. So what I was asking before we got cut off was, can you just kind of tell the group a little bit about how you got introduced to the game of golf? Um, so, I mean, it's kind of a long story, but basically, so... I moved to the golf course and I just, you know, I just go out at night and just kind of practice just for fun after they pulled the flags. Um, and I would just, I just go to the driving range just, and it was just a hobby while I was still mogul skiing. Um, and I was still mogul skiing was my main sport, but I just, but I eventually I broke both my knees mogul skiing and I, I just, I kind of fell off liking it and it just was, it was too much pain. And I, I just kind of pushed towards golf more and more um and then between my freshman and sophomore year I decided to stop skiing and kind of push and pursue golf as my main um objective and um I spent sophomore year kind of deciding I came down to IMG for camp um and that Mm -hmm. I, I loved it down there so I I decided um that I would love to go to school to IMG Academy and I just and I, and I ended up going to IMG Academy, so I just it was kind of a gradual transition from skiing to um, to golf over my high school career, essentially. Yeah, well, 
<clears throat> I got an opportunity to build a little bit of a relationship with you, which I appreciate. Yeah. And um, you're you're a modest person. You're a humble person. And thank you. I want you to paint a little bit of a of a more. Um, I guess just a bigger picture of what you were doing in the skiing world. I mean, it wasn't like you were just skiing moguls. You were, you were competing at a really high level. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So um, when I was 13 years old, I was ranked second in the country for my age group. Um, the one kid who was ahead of me is on the U S ski team right now. But uh, I, I was, and then uh, the very next month um, I, ended up breaking my knees and it was just, but I was, I was competing in some really high level um, events against, in yeah. some really, against some really good competition. Um, but, you know, I, I, for an eighth grade, yeah, it was eighth grade. I broke my knees and then I, uh, I came back freshman year to try and come back. And I, I, I skied really strong. I had some strong finishes, but I, I just, the pain was too much in my knees, but I was, I was competing in some pretty high level events against a lot of older kids. Um, and it was just, so just getting, it's kind of like in golf when you're, you're a younger kid and you're competing in some of these bigger events against older kids and they're, you know, they're yeah. competing high level and they're a lot better than you. It's, it's the same thing essentially. So it was definitely yeah. very competitive. Um, what was your mindset like in those competitions against um, maybe not necessarily sh stronger competitors, but just older, maybe mm -hmm. more experienced competition? You know, I, my main focus was, I, it was just great exposure to try and compete against kids that I knew it was very difficult to be just basically because they were older than me, but getting yeah. to compete against them and just see how I stacked up. Um, and trying my best to beat as many as I could possibly beat, and just do as best the best I possibly could, knowing yeah. I wouldn't wasn't going in there to win. I was going in there to just show what I had for my for how old I was. And but they also had these age group competitions, so they would place you in an age group um, okay. other than just the total finish. So I would usually finish pretty well within my age group. Yeah, yeah, I got to imagine. I've never mogul skied. I've downhill skied a couple of times, but, um, you know, you talk about getting knocked down and getting back up. I mean, I think that's a metaphor in sports that, and yeah. life that we use a lot. I mean, I don't think there's any more of a literal sport where you could get knocked down and have to get back up. Yeah. Than mogul skiing. Right. So, I mean, um, not to, not to put a damper on, you know, breaking your knees obviously is a, is a big deal, but like, are there any other, challenges or stumbles along the way that you kind of had to work through as a young skier kind of coming up in a super competitive environment? Um, you know, there, there are a lot, um, trying to constantly push yourself to try and develop a new air, like a, a new trick off of one of the jumps is a very, um, big goal that you're, every kid's trying to improve upon. And then also, trying to go as down the run physically as fast as you can. I mean, mm -hmm. these are kind of some of the, just two of the things that you're constantly just trying to improve because yeah. those are the, the defining factors in the, in the mogul skiing world. But um, yeah. one of the other biggest challenges is trying to balance, you know, you're a little kid, you're skiing five days a week. You're, you learn from a young age how to balance school 
and sport, which was um was definitely something that helped me when I came to IMG. So yeah, I was skiing in the morning and going to school in the afternoon, making up my work after school. So that was definitely um, one of the, definitely the, probably the biggest lesson I learned from skiing that yeah. I took to golf and sport. Okay. Um, is there anything specific that's like helped you along the way? Because that's definitely something I think that a lot of young student athletes struggle with. Um, so, I mean, with a huge commitment to training, obviously you've got an obligation to, you know, do well in school also to create, you know, further opportunities for yourself as a student athlete. What things helped you kind of get through that in your planning and your preparation, those types of things? Um, so for preparation, you know, and for planning, I'd say always staying on top of my work was definitely something that I was really trying to focus on because that way I could, have a clear mindset going into a lot of the competitions or my training um, because I'd say a lot of people definitely fall victim to this and I have as well. When you, um, when you kind of fall behind in whatever you're trying to do like school or whatever it is outside of school, if that stuff is bothering you when you're going into your training or your competitions, that's going to just affect you mentally. It might not, you might not be directly thinking about that, but that's going to definitely um, weigh down on you and it's going to really drag you down and cause you to perform underperform um, and really kind of struggle with what your uh, true goal is eventually. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's not a conscious thing, right? But subconsciously you get out there mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to compete and focus and, you know, specifically with golf, it, takes so much oh, of yeah. your mental mental energy right so yeah if you've got other stuff that's bogging you down like schoolwork and just not being on top of some of those things then yeah it can definitely have an impact oh yeah i'd, I'd say for golf much more so than anything else because it's such yeah. a mental game yeah um is there anything else skiing wise or just maybe that transition to deciding um you know hey i'm gonna hang it up um you know, I guess your first love would be, um, you know, on the slopes, right. To, uh, yeah. shift, shift gears and focus, you know, on, on getting really good at golf, which you were already a good player um, before you made that yeah. decision. Right. Thanks. Yeah. That was all right. But, um, no, I'd <laughs> say the biggest lesson I learned is, you know, just if, if you know, something's right for you, you just have to go for it because I was, I was under a lot of pressure to keep skiing. Cause I was definitely good. I was on the path to a ski team. Like, like yep. most likely. Um, but I, I just knew I didn't like, like it really anymore. It wasn't very fun for me. And I knew golf was something that I really enjoyed. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, you, you just have to, you have to know what's right for you. You can't just not do something because you others tell you to do it or, you know, it's, you might be better at it. If you love something, even if you're not as good as it, I'd say just go for it. And that's what I did. And I eventually got, a lot better because I and I'm happy the more all the more for it yeah because I ended yeah. up playing golf yeah <clears throat> so what was the transition like um obviously you, you decided that the academy world it's something that a lot of families talk to me about you know as you know what does it take to um be successful at a golf academy you know there's several out there around the country um you chose IMG as a really good mm -hmm. fit for you and you were successful there 
Yeah. What does that look like? I mean, can you help some families or some younger players that are out there trying to understand, like, what does it take to be successful in that environment? Well, I'd say the number one thing to be successful in that environment is to be a self-starter, a self-motivator, and someone who's able to propel yourself without the help of others. So, like, if you're someone who is already doing your schoolwork without anyone telling you to do it, or you're already practicing on your own, without mm-hmm. anyone telling you, oh, go practice. I think IMG is a great place for you because they help you facilitate um, your practice routines and your coaching into yeah. a condensed environment where you can really, really, really improve. And that's what I did. I took a, took full advantage of the opportunity I have. I, I went in, I wasn't very good. I was like probably a 78, 79 golfer. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, but I worked really hard. I was, I didn't really, I, I went in just kind of like as an athlete. This is how my coach, Jay Denton, said I was an athlete uh, who could play golf. And um, I came out <laughs> looking like a golfer who was also an athlete. But yeah. uh, um, I came down and I came to like a 72 golfer. So I, I, I mean, a low 70, 72 golfer. So I, I definitely got improvement in the year and a half, two years that I was down there. So it's it's really a place where you can just focus on what you're trying to do. You You can go in there with a really strong goal. And you can accomplish that goal. I mean, if you really have the motivation to do it. Yeah. What were your goals going in? Um, my goal going in was to play college golf. I mean, you know, Scott Becker, obviously he, yep. he coached me when I went down there for camp. He talked to my, my mom. He's like, you know, Finn's definitely got the potential. He can, if he comes down here, he's the kind of kid who can really make a lot of, or really improve a lot. Yeah. Um, and go play division one golf. Um, and, and that's exactly what I did. So if there's a kid down there or some out there who's considering going to a place like IMG, I would recommend going to IMG obviously, but yeah. Um, if you're, if you're maybe not quite where you want to be skill level, um, you can, you can go to IMG, you can have a very, um, solid goals and mindset and you can really accomplish a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and for those of you that um, that missed the episode that I did with Scott, who Finn's referencing, Scott Becker uh, is an instructor at IMG. We did an Instagram live. I reposted the video. You can find it on Instagram. It's on YouTube as well. Um, but we kind of actually just – we don't really talk a bunch about him, but we I tried to help give him some advice for some of his students with some of the physical and mental training stuff that I'm working on myself. So I kind of told that story. You guys can go watch that. Um, but I remember sitting down with Scott and your mom actually in the campus center yeah. um at IMG because if I'm not mistaken your mom graduated from Dartmouth is that right Yes Dartmouth yeah Okay and Scott uh coached for a brief period of time at Dartmouth too so there was oh, that really? like yeah it was like an immediate connection there so it was just a really good conversation just talking about you know your potential and those types of things oh, that's which awesome. Yeah it was cool um but you definitely took full advantage of the opportunity right Oh um, yeah 100% So one of my favorite um, experiences with you was uh, when we went up to a tournament in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think you took second, which is second a little bit course, hard to yeah. believe because you played really well. <laughs> um, but was that the best tournament that you've had so far in yeah, terms of just like best. pure scoring? Yeah, pure scoring. That was the best tournament I've ever had. <clears throat> so tell us about it a little bit. Well, going in, I I've been working well. I've been kind of trending upwards essentially and um, I went in with a lot of confidence and um and I'd say that this actually pretty big message here oops 
is um is how big of a factor confidence plays in your golf game. But I went in there with a lot of confidence. I was like, oh yeah, I can definitely tear this course apart, and I ended up shooting a sixty-five the first day. Um, yep. So I played, and then I shot one under the second day. So I shot eight under for two days, which is pretty good. Um, and so I'd say that was definitely a very eye-opening moment for me. Um, it it really pushed my ranking up. It pushed me up from probably like, I'd say like 950 to like 550 on junior golf scoreboard. Yeah. Um, so it, it it's, it's, and then, yeah, that's another lesson that I definitely thinks people can learn from that is like, you know, one really good tournament can turn your whole college recruiting around your whole confidence around your, your ranking or like, and just, just skyrocket. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible how well, or how impactful a really good tournament is. Yeah. I mean, you can, um, you know, have some really good breakout moments. Um, you know, if you can string together a couple good rounds in a row, right? Yeah, exactly. I remember specifically, I mean, uh, so that was, that was a huge week actually. Cause that was master's week last year. That was master's week. Tiger came back and won it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was pretty cool, but I remember, I think, so we drove in from the airport and, and we kind of had to rush to get to a practice round and then it started pouring, I think, at the end of it. So it was like, it was kind of a rough practice yeah. day, if I remember. Yeah. Like, nobody had seen the course, like you played maybe like half or three quarters of the holes and um, it was a little bit of a miserable, I think, day because we'd been flying all morning and then we go to the course, play a practice round in the afternoon. So, I mean... You were able to channel some really good mental energy, though, going into the first round, and you fire a 65. Yeah, thank you. I really wanted to watch you that day, but I didn't watch you at all because I think the first time I saw you was coming off of nine. You were making a turn. I can't I remember so. what you shot on the front, but it was I shot, yeah, five under on the front, but I remember the, <laughs> yeah. at the end it was funny that you were um, – you took the video. You said, this putt for 64. I ended up missing it, but then I walked off the green. And you yeah, go yeah. like Finn that sixty five. That's a that's a hell of a round. But you know yeah. what? You're in second place. Jason shot a sixty four. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, he did. He <laughs> did. Um, yeah, but I remember. You know, I didn't really know what to do. I wanted to watch you, but you know, I didn't want to mess with you know kind of what was going on. You're already obviously. Oh no, yeah, really yeah. I remember you were on eleven. You're on eleven. I saw you. Or was it eleven? Yeah, I saw yeah. you. Okay. Um, now I remember you coming up eighteen and saying that putts for. 64 and and you said something like i'm not really sure what to do and i said well line it up and knock it in um but yeah you did end up missing it but still that was a really good round really good round and then what was more impressive for me is it's it's hard to go low two days in a row right so i mean yeah to shoot another 65 the next day would have been obviously an awesome thing to do yeah but just to be able to keep it together you know, first time going that low to be able to keep your composure going into a exactly, second round, yeah. still shoot under par 71. Um, just a really good, good approach and a good tournament for you, for sure. Yeah, what, what yeah. big takeaways did you have from that tournament? Well, it just, it just proved myself. Well, I just proved to myself that I did have the potential to, to shoot the scores that I always known that I could shoot and to mm-hmm. place as well as I could place. Um, I mean, that was actually 65. That was my first ever round under par in a tournament because I mean, wow. that was, yeah, I thought that was the funniest part of it. So, <laughs> I mean, 
you know, quite the fashion, much, right? Yeah, exactly. Not that much tournament experience, not that much golf experience beforehand. Yeah. Being able to shoot 65 is my first under par round in a tournament. That was just, that was the most exciting part. Yep. Yep. Um, I can't remember how the rest of that year finished out. I left the Academy shortly after that, probably yeah. the next month and then school is out. And then obviously, um, I haven't been there this year for your senior year, but mm -hmm. um, I did make it back to campus a couple times. Yeah, I saw you around. Yeah, and, um, you know, one trip I ran into you and, you know, hey, Finn, how's everything going? And um, you were pretty bummed. You uh, had just found out that you had had a broken or fractured back. Yeah, two and, fractures in the L3. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about that because, obviously, you've created an opportunity now for yourself and I can imagine um, going through an injury like that, you know, is really deflating, right? It could be. Um, but you obviously took it as an opportunity to overcome that adversity. Um, I don't know. I just want to learn a little bit more just about, like, what was the process of finding out? Okay, like, what was your mindset and, like, trying to figure out what you needed to do? Um, you know, was it, you know – you were really down and then you kind of like snapped out of it and all right, I got to get to work. Or was it just, Hey, I was you know positive about it the whole time or just walk us through kind of that whole experience. So a little background is that yeah, throughout the summer, I mean, I played three big tournaments. I, I got into a few big tournaments, but all three of them, I, I was playing through back pain and it just kind of progressively got worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, going into school, I was like, all right, you know, I had a bad summer whatever. Uh, so I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to probably gonna have to take a post-grad year. I kind of lost a couple of the opportunities that, for college that I had just unfortunately, but yeah, I, I went back to school and I, three weeks, I, I just, I had I, my back felt all right. It like, it was still hurting a bit, but it I just, but it kept getting worse and worse. Those few weeks I got back to school and it got so bad. Like every single swing I made it, it, it I mean, I thought it was so bad. Yeah. Um, and I, as it got to the point, like, where I was like, God, I cannot believe my back is hurting this bad. I'm, I got to get this checked out. So then I got it checked out. I had two fractures in the L3 vertebrae. So I was like, no wonder my back hurts. Right. But at first I was, um, I was pretty pissed off. I mean, I was like, this is, this is the worst. I can't believe this is happening to me. Yeah. Um, but over time, I, I or the next you know few weeks to few months, I, I kind of started to realize, you know what, I think my mental game was probably not in the right place. I I was probably not thinking clearly because of the back. So you know, being able to take some time off from golf might be beneficial for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and and you know, I, I think this I could definitely become a better player after this. So. Yeah. Starting in January, I started to be able to putt and then just kind of progressed slowly from there, being able to chip and then putt. I mean, chip and then pitch and then irons, and then eventually driver. Yeah. Um, I mean, with not really – I mean, I had like one flare-up in the beginning of March, but, you know, that was that was about it. I, I was I was doing just fine. I, I, yeah. I, I had a lot of improvement, so I – I was fortunate I didn't need surgery, so that was I was able to heal on my own. But it was definitely a long process. I had to do a lot. I, but I, I, I definitely say I'm a better, much better player right now. Yeah. Um, Did you ever have injury. any moments like when you were going through it that um, you were just like, 
man, I don't know if this is worth it. Or, you know, was there, was there, was there any time like along the way that you just felt like, um, the dedication that it was going to require the discipline that it was going to require that those things were going to be too challenging to really take on and overcome. Um, you know, I, I always knew that I would be able to play golf again. I, but I knew, and I knew, I never thought that this was going to be too difficult to overcome. I always knew I'd be able to, um, kind of recover for it, but, but kind of on a similar lines, I, I was with my mom and I were discussing briefly about possibly leaving IMG for the rest of the, the year and just mm. coming back here home yeah. for school in Colorado. And I, and I was like, you know what? I mean, if I'm able to play golf in March, like the doctor said, that gives me three months to try and improve when I, um, when I do get better and play a couple tournaments down at school. I still yeah. at that point I, I was I was considering I was I, I was like oh post grad year I'm gonna have to take a post grad year no one's I've fallen off the radar I've I've been the broken back and you know everything just everything's kind of gone against me unfortunately yeah um but I stayed at IMG and I'm glad I did I I was able to do everything kind of right in the same place because I was able to just slowly build on my golf game starting with putting then then the chipping and just the, over the that two month period from like January to March just slowly build my golf game back up um so I'm I'm glad I did stay at IMG so I yeah persevered I, I suppose yeah you did for sure yeah I mean that's you've had challenges in all the sports that you've played right I mean you know tough little go in, in skiing but you accomplished a lot at a really high level which you yeah. should be super you know proud about but then carrying yeah. that um yeah, carrying that over to golf, obviously, you know, a couple stumbles there, but um, now you're in a position where you're going to play Division One college golf, and yeah. you kept your nose on the grindstone, and you, uh, you know, gritted it out and did what it took to, you know, overcome some of those challenges. So, I mean, was University of Northern Colorado a school that was even on your radar prior to getting injured? Um. So, but prior to getting injured during the summer, I was mainly talking to Santa Clara and the University of Colorado. They both showed quite a bit of interest going into the summer, but okay, you know, I both those kind of you know fell off, and I I kind of I kind of stepped back and I for a few months I I didn't even really focus on uh, college recruiting. I I just was like you know I'm going to focus on getting better. I'm yep. gonna just say to everyone, I'm coming in 2021, taking a postgrad year. I just thought that I I had no other options. Yeah. And then starting, you know, probably in December, throughout February, I was just kind of I kind of started a new list of schools, and I was just kind of throwing a bunch of emails out there, just trying to, you know, see what options or what opportunities I could possibly have. And I mm -hmm. I emailed Roger Prensley, who's the head coach at University of Northern Colorado, and he he immediately email back he he was um he he funny enough he herniated his discs l4 and l5 so we had that connection oh, wow. kind of right yeah. away but you know he that from the moment i really kind of started talking to him he he really showed a lot of interest and he he was really um a great ally in the whole process and you know eventually and he's he's been really supportive of me he's been a great guy throughout the process but you know i i never 
I've considered I I mean I'm they, they're an unbelievable program. They're great. They have a great program. So but I'm yeah. I never had considered them. I just I don't I don't know. So what advice would you give people like uh injured or not just going through that recruiting process? I mean, um if you want to talk a little bit about like just your communication out to coaches, like what 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 types of things are you sending or were you sending coaches, you know, whether it's emails or tournament, you know, schedules or like different stuff like that. What did, what kind of communication patterns did you have with coaches? Um, so for the most part, for the coaches that showed, you know, a little bit of interest, I would send out the preliminary email, like telling them my school, kind of like my GPA, my, my scoring average, yeah. um, stuff like that. Then say like, I love your program. I'd send them my tournament results. Um, so kind of the basic preliminary email stuff. And then they, if they would, respond back to me i would i'd be like hey here's my upcoming turn they'd be like okay i'd love to come see you play uh, here i'll be like here's my upcoming tournament schedule yeah um you know since i have I've, I've definitely gone through the process much differently than anyone else would i mean yeah they said they would come to a couple of my tournaments um no one ever really did i mean that was obviously over this over the summer the coaches didn't but and then yep. the ones I had started the new list with um, said they would come to my tournaments, but I haven't played one, obviously, and I've um, not um, emailed them again. Yep. But I So how, how were you able to um, – with that being said, I mean, obviously you still got their attention, right? So uh, was that – I guess how did you paint the picture of like here – here's who I am and what I'm capable of without you having ever come to see me play. I, I mean, I, I, I just, I tried to give them as much information as I possibly could in that first email. I tried to just be as straightforward as possible. Be like, Hey, my name is Finn Sapp. I'm from Vail, Colorado. This is my tournament scoring average. This is my GPA. This is my SAT. These are my tournament scores. I'd love to be a part of your team. You have a great program. I'm really interested. I mean, that's, yeah. Obviously, I'd expand on that a little bit. And, you know, a couple paragraphs, not like oh, too long, not too short. You try, you want to make it a cut, just a couple paragraphs, kind of sh giving them that information. Get a spreadsheet with your tournament scores, like the location of the course, course length, um, what course it was, your 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 scores, um, and then possibly some con. I gave my contact info. Uh, my coach's contact info information, Jay Denson, in case they had any questions. So something like that, just like a reference. Yeah. Um, so just trying to be straightforward as possible, give them as much information as possible because they, you know, they're, they're not, they don't, they've never seen you. They don't know who you are just, but sure. then if they ask for more, you send them your swing videos, you send them your tournament schedule, you try and just keep contact with them. You try and um, stay in touch, you know, if the, if you have any new developments, give them that. If you have a good yeah. result in a tournament, give them that. Just don't fall off of their radar. Try and stay in contact with them. Try and make sure that they know they still are interested in you and they're they're still in contact with you. I guess. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, I think one of the things that families um, struggle with a little bit, and I've talked about it on here with some coaches, um, some college coaches before, in terms of just. <laughs> the communication between, um, you know, recruits and prospective student athletes and how they so much appreciate um, 
and want the student athlete themselves to be the one that's reaching out, to be the one that's building the relationship, you know, those types of things. And, you know, I think that sometimes parents struggle with that a little bit because parents want to help their kids. And so they want to communicate and reach out on the kid's behalf. Um, and then sometimes the student athletes just don't really even understand, you know, what they're trying to do. And you're nervous, you know, talking to a coach, cause it's almost like you're interviewing for a job, you know, it's, yeah. it's a situation like that. So, um, why, why do you think it's so important to be the one as the student athlete that's developing that relationship and driving the communication? Well, it shows that you're a proactive student and person. I mean, it shows that if they take you on your team or if they take you on their team, excuse me, um, you're going to be the one who's able to, to drive your own practice to, um, communicate with your own teachers to communicate with the coach if you need anything or um, yeah or if you need to do anything um it, it shows that you you would be an active member of the team a, a possibly a leader yeah. amongst the the members of the team and that you would just be a valuable person to add to the university and the and the, the golf team i mean it just it's just a very strong um uh trait that that coaches like to see yeah i agree i agree i mean all the coaches that i've had on have talked about how important it is for them to communicate directly with the student athlete so um yeah i think a good proactive approach definitely Mm -hmm. can set you apart probably from maybe some of the other people that are trying to reach out or communicate with the coaches right yeah um anything else that you want to talk about that you think would be beneficial for this group just training-wise or any other adversity advice or, you know, you're a grinder. I know that. I watched you work for uh, at least a year. Kind of like what you said, almost you're relating it back to the coach and academics and, you know, practice and stuff like that. But nobody had to tell you to do anything. Um, You know, obviously you asked for guidance and people are coaching you and instructing you. Jay was, you know, Mm-hmm. polish up your game and mechanics and stuff like that. But in terms of putting in the work, um, I think you're a really good example for that. So what advice do you have for, for young players around that? So on the, on the training and the work part, I think you have to know, you have to be able to balance your training very well. You can't overdo it. Obviously I've, I've definitely been a victim of that, but you, you can't, under train as well you have to know the right balance and what's what's right for you i'd say that's definitely a very important um thing to remember is that like a trial and error type of thing or you know i just kind of got to figure it out yeah because i mean when i first went to img i was like oh i'm gonna hit balls all the time it's great i just go after school hit balls but then i soon like and then i mean i eventually started to really structure my practices where i would putt first then chip i'd usually put for about 45 minutes to an hour and chip for okay. 30 to 45 minutes and then i would really i would never spend more than an i mean hour and a half tops if i'm really working hard on the driving range but an hour i've never worked for more than an hour on the driving range i just have a very focused um, range session just work on what i need to work on i know i just don't overdo it yeah i mean and that's you, you're not given a whole bunch of time to to practice when you're at the driving range because we you know we're working out as well so mm-hmm. we're, we're given only a, a, a certain amount of time to be at the driving range and to 
So you really want to be able to know what you need to work on and be able to structure your practice to focus on each part of your game and to try and improve every area and not just, you know, sit on the range. Because I know a few kids who just sit on the range for hours, like the entire time, just hit balls. Yeah. And they're not working on their putting and they're chipping. I, I always, I always start putting, then chipping, then the driving range. Cause I, I mean, and that also, cause the back, I, I could only chip and putt to start. Yeah. So, but you know, yeah. that's, that's how I do it. You got to find what works for you. You got to be able to balance your practice. Do you think that, uh, or may, you may know this hundred percent, but I'm just saying, um, uh, is the reason behind that, that, you see more importance with the short game and you want to put, I guess your max effort into that before maybe you're tired from hitting balls or something like that, or you don't want to make the short game an afterthought or like, what's, what's the thought process with your routine and kind of how you build out your practice schedule. I definitely say that afterthought thing is probably the most important. I mean, or the biggest key because my coach would be like, oh, yeah, you used to just go over at the ranch, hit balls for forever, and then just come over here and just hit a couple putts for 10 minutes. Yeah. As yeah. An after, yeah, as an afterthought. Um, mm. So being, I'd say for me, focusing on the putting and then the chipping, like very just, you know, putting all my focus into that. That's, yeah. that's where, I mean, because, you know, in my opinion, if you're, if you're only spending 30 minutes on the range, an hour on the range, in my opinion – that's that's enough time if you you're gonna get so i mean obviously i that was because of my back as well i didn't want to spend overdo it full swing sure. but i'd say not hitting for three hours on the driving range is actually better for you focusing on the chipping and the putting you know you're going to work on your technique you're going to it's it's also going to help your your mental focus because you, you know you're probably going to do a, a chipping game or you're a putting game it's going to help your mental yeah because we're just beating balls in the range is, isn't going to do anything, but having a very strategic and then um, concise plan when you go to the driving range for just a certain amount of time, that's, yeah. that's how you're actually going to get better in my opinion. Yeah. Is that something that you actually sit down and write out or is it something that you just, obviously you're giving it thought before you go, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But like, what does that look like for you? You know, I don't really write out my practices. I just, I know, like I, I typically will do like a putting drill for 20 minutes or so. And then mm -hmm. we usually have a putting course set up or some sort of putting activity that are, that is set up for us. And then even here at home, I, I've made, I make my own, but I, yeah. I wait, make sure my technique is right, but then you gotta, you, you can't, you gotta implement it. So this is, this, I, I, I'm, this is the problem that a lot of kids have and a lot of people have is they just want to practice. They just want to practice. They think that's how they're going to get better, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta implement your practice. You gotta be able to play. You gotta be able to um, use your skills essentially. Um, yep. You're not just, you're not playing golf swing. You're playing golf. You gotta be able to use your skills. So I, I always practice. I always do a, some sort of putting game, try and focus on, make it so it's more game speed more real life yeah shipping as well and then you know you're obviously you're going to go play golf is with your full swing so yeah even on the range trying to make certain games like you can't miss right you can't miss left. you gotta hit it here so just trying to make it more game speed is definitely something that's very beneficial for me yeah yeah um when you're hitting balls on the range i mean 
I'm just trying to think of different ways that you can do this, but um, like I know Coach Brian, for example, used to always um, use this method of like play box and think box. I think oh, is what yeah, he yeah. called it. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Where he would yes, talk I, about yeah. like, hey, if you're working on something, you've got these four balls and you're going to use those four balls to make the move that you're trying to make or, you know, whatever you're working on. And we're not worried about a result. And then we move to the next four balls and those, like you're saying, you're actually trying to recreate a shot. Okay. Here's my fairway, or this is my target or, you know, those types of things. Um, So you're not just mindlessly out there, just like you said, beating balls, not really Mm -hmm. working on anything specific, but you're making your practice intentional and you're trying to really exactly implement, you know, some things that are going to help you out on the course, right. That you are going to yeah. be able to take out to, to the course. And that's something at IMG that's very helpful. It helps you kind of develop your practices very strategically. And, you know, it helps you kind of focus on what you need to focus on that. That's what the coaches there are kind of helping you do. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else has helped you be successful? In golf, um, who's who's helped influence you? Um, I'd say Jay, Jay, my golf coach, has definitely been the biggest um, influence on me because you know he he just tells me how it is. If I like, I've I uh, at times and I've gotten better at this, but I would get very down after just you know one bad shot or just I'd get mad at myself after a yeah. bad hole. And he's like, you know, that's going to really affect you. That I mean, just, yeah, you can, I can see it on your face. The ups and downs are too much. You're kind of like this. Good golfers, they're just kind of like this. It's like they hit a bad shot, you can't, in a good shot, you can't really tell the difference. You got to kind of find that level. So, some yeah. advice like that, he, he, I'd say he, more than anyone, improved my mental game as much yeah. as he did my actual golf swing. So, that yeah. was, yeah, very helpful. Are there any triggers that like you use to like, I was, um, I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, but oh, I think it was when I had Jack Heath on last week and we were talking about, um, he was saying that, you know, of course I allow myself to get mad. You know, you hit a bad shot, you get mad about it. Like that's yeah, just a yeah. natural thing, but you gotta, yeah, you gotta be able to let it go have short term. Yeah. He said like, you know, I try to like 10 seconds is it, you know, I, I give yeah. myself 10 seconds to react and then I move on. Um, yeah somebody else that I was talking with, I can't remember who it was um, off the top of my head. It was a lady that I've had on before. It might've been Michelle Holmes. Um, she's got a couple of golf schools in the Carolina areas, but um, I think she was talking about like a trigger for her was putting her golf bag down. Like when she put her golf bag down at the shot, like, all right, she's now in the zone. She's ready to go through a routine, all that stuff. But then after the shot, reaction good or bad once that bag was picked back up and the strap hit the shoulder that was it that was you know no more reaction good or bad like now we got to focus on thinking about the next shot so i mean is there anything like that that you do or have done or kind of like i guess how did you grow in that area um outside of just saying i need to control my thoughts better um I'd say, you know, like for, like, if I'm having a bad round, I definitely, I used to just start really speeding up. Like I'd start walking really fast, getting ahead of my playing partners, you know, okay. and I just like trying to hit my shot as fast as possible to try and get the drop shots back as soon as possible. Cause yeah. I, I just, you know, and just kind of letting it spiral. So 
what I would do is I just try and almost stay behind my playing partners, just try and keep it as slow as possible. I'm, say I make a silly bogey or something like that, you know, and you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, my God, that's so stupid. You, and, you, and then you hold on to it for two holes. You're going to yeah. make two more bogeys. But if you just you just be like, you know what, I, I hit a bad putt or so I hit a bad chip, you know, I, whatever. You just, yeah. you just calm down. You take a couple deep breaths. You just you, – you stay – you, you got to keep a good tempo. You got to keep a good pace while you're walking or playing, you know, in that you just got to just calm down and just focus on that next shot. You can't drag on a bad shot for the rest yeah. of the round. And, I've, and that's definitely messed me up several times in yeah. the past. So that's it's a, a tough lesson I've learned. Yeah, it's a tough thing to do, right? So, I mean, it sounds like you're implementing some elements of, you know, self-talk, telling yourself what you need to do and what you need to be focusing on. I mean, that's helped me out on the course yeah. as well. Um, sometimes you feel silly doing it, but self-talk mm-hmm. is real. Um, like you're going to say negative stuff to yourself or you're going to say positive stuff to yourself. Like it's going to happen. So mm-hmm. I think if you can be conscious about it, right. And you can try to channel it to be more positive, um, you know, to try to move past those challenges, you know, it probably works a little bit better in your favor. Yeah. Um, let's see anything else support system wise or anybody else. I know Jay's had a big impact for mm-hmm. you, but, um, Anybody else that's played a role, maybe not necessarily, um, you know, in improving your actual game, but just, you know, yeah. from a, a support standpoint? I'd say, you know, this, I'd say being around other good golfers co- that you can be competitive with is definitely a very good support system because, yeah, you know, like when I was skiing, I was around other really good skiers and we're constantly pushing each other to get better and we're constantly competing. Yeah. Um, you know, and then when I first started playing golf, I was just here on my own. I, I mean, I wasn't very good, but I didn't have anyone to compete with mm-hmm. or who was the same ability as me. But when yeah. I first went to IMG, I, I immediately found a kind of a, a threshold of golfers that I was really competitive with that I really enjoyed playing with. Yep. Um, and then even this year, even though I had an injury for most of the year when I was yeah. playing golf, I was, I was really competitive with the golfers I was around and it was, and it just makes golf more enjoyable. You're constantly pushing each other to get better. You really want to beat the other person. So the competing, it's, it's going to improve your mental focus and your, and, and you're, and you're just, you're, if you're competing, even if it's just a putting game for $5 or a drink, you know, you want to win. So you, it's just, you're getting yourself in the mindset of trying to win and trying to beat other people. And that helps you when you go to tournaments so having yeah. people that you can be competitive with is definitely something that's really a, a really good support support system that I think every person should have when they're yeah. playing golf or any. Sport. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. It's um, yeah, you've got to find ways to try to simulate pressure, right? Or yeah. simulate that competition, or not just simulate the competition, but actually compete mm-hmm. um, to learn how to win, to learn how to you know, push past another competitor, you know, those types of things. So, yeah, I think that's really good advice. Um, I want to move towards wrapping up. And one of the things that I do towards the end is uh, ask you as the guest to fire a question or two back at me. So um, no real preparation for that, I understand. So it could be anything. It could be, um, you know, a junior golf topic. It could be just, um, you know, anything about this podcast, project or um you know what we're doing with junior golf keys or anything what do you got 
Um, what was it like putting on an entire corn fairy tour event um, and getting to be surrounded by that for, you know, I mean, building up, I think it was like, what, a month or two, whatever it was. Well, it was a long time yeah. even building up to the tournament. So like, what was that like? What was that experience like going from IMG? Yeah, it's a cool experience. So um, this year was the second year for the tournament. Um, <laughs> last year, I actually had an opportunity to volunteer because it was the first year for the tournament. So it's a five-year deal. Um, so we've got three more left on this initial, initial contract. Um, but it was really cool being on the other side. On the volunteer side, I kind of got a little bit of an insight to – you know, kind of how tournaments operate a little bit. Um, but from a volunteer standpoint, you don't really see all the details. It looks a lot smoother from the volunteer side. So it's interesting because the tournament's going to happen, you know, regardless, like it's coming. So it's one of those things where you do as much as you can, you prepare, you find the right partners. I mean, my role specifically with uh, the LeCom Suncoast Classic is to find, you know, business partnerships, people to attend the event that want to entertain, you know, clients or employees, or they want to play in the pro-am, uh, use that as an opportunity to entertain people, or they just are big golfers and want to be involved that way um, and get to play with some, you know, rising stars. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to see it um, from the actual, you know, tournament staff side, because um, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of go on behind the scenes, um, that, you know, are challenges that we overcome, but you kind of got to do it on the fly. And, uh, you know, thankfully I'm surrounded by a group that, you know, has been in this side of the business for a really long time. So global golf management, um, the team that I work for there, uh, they've got 30 plus tour events across corn Ferry, PGA, LPGA, um, done some Olympics work and some different, um, you know, work with some of the WGC events and stuff like that. So, Really cool. Actually, before all this COVID-19 uh, hit, I was supposed to go out to the Dell match play in Austin. Um, so just to learn a little bit about, you know, yeah, a different tournament. Um, our group was contracted on the back end to uh, do some of the operations stuff for the tournament, which was cool. So I think one of the big things that I didn't really understand before I got into this whole world is the actual PGA Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour, the LPGA Tours, they don't, they run very few tournaments internally. Um, most of the tournaments out there on the professional tours are contracted with different management groups like Global Golf um, to wow. handle different pieces of the tournament on the back end, whether that's the operations from putting up signs to ropes and stakes, you know, around the course, that kind of whole stuff, all that stuff, um, or like the sales and sponsorship side. So the LeCom tournament that I'm involved with, um, our group owns everything on the back end of that from operations all the way through the, you know, the sales and sponsorships and partnership side of it. So yeah, pretty cool to kind of see how everything works together and, you know, how we're really intertwined with the tour staff and, you know, stuff like that. So really cool experience for sure. Uh, Can I just add one more thing to what I was, I I forgot to mention this earlier. I'd say one big thing that I've, realized over this injury as well as you got to have other hobbies outside of golf you got to be able to look forward to other things just other than golf you can't just have your life revolve around just one thing and that's mm-hmm. possibly why i got injured I, i'm not 100 percent sure but i've i've just gotten into cycling for example and i've been going out for you know really really long bike rides and i've been, I've been loving it just recently so yeah. um, being able to look forward to something else outside of your main focus in golf 
right now is it's something that has definitely really improved my mental uh, mental game uh, believe it or not but also it, it helps clear my mind but it, it distracts me from something other than golf I'm not just revolving around golf yeah and I think that's you know a lot of kids who just start really young just revolving about round one sport get into trouble where they burn out I, I was fortunate enough to play a bunch of sports growing up. I, I really loved them all, but I didn't ever yeah. – I mean, I, I eventually found golf, which was, as I got older, my main thing. But Right. So being able to look forward to something other than just golf is something that's very important. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that too. Um, and I feel like everybody that I've talked to on this show that's been successful, um, whether it's a coach or a player, um, I mean, most of the good coaches have played at a pretty high level, but – I would say a lot of them are that way. And I mean, you look at um, some of the guys that are on tour and, and ladies on tour also, I mean, you know, immediately I kind of think of that group of, um, you know, Ricky and uh, JT and, you know, Tiger and uh, Brooks and like all those guys that, I mean, you hear Brooks, <laughs> Brooks maybe goes a little bit too far in the other direction where he kind of just like, seems like he doesn't care at all sometimes. Um, but, you know, you, there's a lot of guys out there that, uh, like Zach Sucher, for example, um, uh, who else am I thinking of that actually I had on the show, Scott Stallings, um, oh, yeah, yeah. PGA player. I mean, he's huge into fitness and CrossFit and, like, stuff like that. Zach's a big fisherman. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's just, you know, if you do anything, right, and and that's the only thing that you're focused on. It's just a natural progression yeah. that you're either going to get a little bit tired of it, or it just kind of loses its excitement yeah. over time. It just consumes so, you. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, I'm a huge advocate of multi-sport athletes. I think at some point, um, you know, it makes a little bit of sense to start focusing on one at some point yeah. as you get a little bit older. Um, but yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a really, really good um, observation on your point or on your part you. for sure. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, any last things before we sign off? No, thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, me too, man. I really appreciate you doing this. And uh, I'll be following along. I wish you the best of luck, uh, I guess, graduating over the next week and then um, at, at Northern Colorado. So thank I look so forward much. to keeping in touch with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, buddy. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. All right, that wraps up episode 41 of Junior Golf Keys with our guest this week, Finn Sapp. Uh, Finn, I really appreciate you and you taking out some time to uh, have a chat with me on Instagram and uh, just talk about some of the adversity and how you've overcome it and um, you know, across a couple different sports. I think it's some really good information. There's some really good lessons there that the audience can take and learn from and apply some of that information in their journey as well. So I appreciate you and, and congratulations on your graduation of high school this year. And I wish you the best of luck at the University of Northern Colorado, where I look forward to following your success there. So, um, and thank you to audience. Thank you for tuning in this week. I would encourage you, as I always do each week, as I ask, um, if you took any value away from this episode, please like it, please share it, please leave a review. Also, make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we have coming up. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.